Welcome to another enthralling episode of Beyond the Iron Sea. The podcast that got together by a fireside last Christmas, had a bit of a chinwag, and decided that everyone really needs another instalment. Yeah, I've heard that's the thing to do these days. So, this time we'll be talking touring, tickets, touting and takings. Yes. We'll be diving into more songs from Cause and Effect, and giving you our take on some of Tim's most devastating lyrics to date. And if we have time, just because we love you all so much, we may be able to fit in a spot of beard watch for our long-term fans. That's what's coming up on today's unlikely edition of Beyond the Iron Sea. Beyond the Iron Sea. So for two weeks after the uh, after the the launch of, of Cause and Effect, the band went out on their first proper actual UK tour for a long, long, long time. Yeah, it was a bit different to previous tours as well, wasn't it? Yeah. So so what we're used to, I think, with the band is they they will play. Uh, Big arenas, back when they were huge. Uh, uh, toilet venues, when they were tiny. And for most of the time in between, it was the, the kind of um, academy-type venue. Standing mm-hmm. rooms, boxy, uh, but basically standing venues. And it wasn't sure. like that this time. No, absolutely not. We, th- we were just looking over the tour dates, and we think most of them, if not all, were, were seated yeah. seated gigs, which changes the, the dynamic a bit, doesn't it? Yeah, so, I mean, our US listeners... Um, uh, both of them uh, are going to be hearing this and thinking, "Well, what's so different about it? How you know? How can gen- you know? Um, general admission is more of the exception rather than the norm. Um, you know, certainly at certain levels. Um, but the the interesting thing with Keen is that you used to have um, back in the old sort of toilet venue days, you'd have Tom with a fan in front of him to blow the smoke out of his face or to make him look windswept, depending on how you looked at it. Um, you'd have the band right up close." You would have potentially a little bit of, you know, a little bit of bouncing, certainly for Crystal Ball. Um, You don't tend to get that in seated venues, primarily because there are seats in the way. Um, And so what we did have was this sort of weird dichotomy of the band coming on and going into um, You're Not Home. And the whole uh, concert hall remained seated. Yep. And then... Tom would do his, you know, big, cheery, shout, loud, sing as much as you can. The thing that he always does after the first song. And if you guys want to stand up, it's okay. Then we get bend and break. And then there'd be a ripple from front to back of people standing up. Uh, how was it for you? You were in Brighton, right? That's right. It's, it, that was pretty much it. Uh, with bend and break, that was the uh, permission to get up and... Uh and dance songs, so yeah, the, and it's nice now that Kane have got you know a pretty big back catalogue to draw upon. That uh, certainly you know with the, the original sets that was a lot harder, but now they can pull out "Bend and Break," "Day Will Come," all those songs to get people moving. Yeah, and I mean you said big repertoire. the The challenge for a band as mature as Keen are now. I mean, obviously that also means old. Let's be honest, but the the, the, ch- the challenge for a band that's been going this long is that they they could easily have a set list of 90 songs. I mean, they would kill Mr. Chaplin. Yeah. I think Richard might be struggling towards the end of that as well. But um, the point is that they, when they're now trying to get to that perfect, uh, I mean, two, two hours 15 is probably as long as they'll ever go. And we did see some of the longest ever shows on... on 26 or 27 songs, wasn't it? It's incredible. But it does mean that they can... They can drop songs from night to night they can rejig things we've seen on uh, instagram they've got the laminated strips of songs that they can move around um obviously there are some anchors i mean nothing else is going to be opening the set at the moment apart from uh, you're not home 
Um, but what's fascinating is seeing how um, how much variation there is to the set. Um, going back to when I was a boring uh, 20-something, I used to go on and on about how, you know, Keen used to do the same set every night and Tom would say the same things on stage. But um, the progression now to where you've got a completely different set every night is, is pretty cool. I think they threw in some surprises as well, didn't they? That there were yeah, different um, songs around the country. So usually, um, I mean, you go back through the years, I think, as I said, they used to play the same set every night, apart from that night at Yulu when the piano broke and they just decided to sheepishly walk off stage. Um, and then, uh, you know, sometimes when Tom has uh, Tom has had problems with his throat, they've dropped. Uh, it was like, this is the last time got dropped during the... That was back, way back in the days of uh, of um, the Hopes and Fears tour, where they would drop this the last time towards the end of the set if uh, right. if Tom couldn't make it all the way through it. So what we have now is that there have been people shouting out for Snow Dunder, as they have been at um, every set since the dawn of time. But now the band are actually playing it, even if it's not on the set. It's amazing. Um, they'd been doing covers. They did a, a Sam Fender cover when they are in Newcastle. They did uh, With or Without You by U2 in Dublin. Um Keen don't do this sort of thing. They play to a backing track. They play the same 12 songs every night, right? Or very occasionally for a radio session. But yeah, not spontaneously... Well, not spontaneously for uh, any gig. I think just... I mean, the, the wider point here is that I think as a band, they're they're better live now than they've ever been, which is amazing for a band that's not played together before... Before last summer, they haven't played together in, I mean, a long, long time. Sure. And that... Um, they did some sort of um, PRS benefit or something as their last gig together in, in 2014. And then just simply went their separate ways, didn't play again. And for them to get back to this kind of level as quickly as they have done, I think it's really impressive. Yeah. I wonder if uh, having Tim Tim and Jesse both have uh, their own music spaces now, don't they, with, uh, with their studio and rehearsal spaces. So, you know, I wonder if that was uh, meant that they just had the luxury to do that rather Rather than you know trying to pin everyone down and, and get everyone together in a in a room, yeah, yeah. And I, I think one other thing that that stood out for me um, at the show was the um, the production of the of the show itself with the visuals. Um, and for the the way that it was structured, at least at Birmingham, um, for the first sort of uh, hour of the show, um, the band were playing in front of a, a fairly static backdrop, yeah, um, which um, had some sort of changing light. It was backlit, a sort of a backlit curtain that was changing colour, block colour, and it was very much like the aesthetic that we've seen since sort of 2009, um, since sort of the Night Train kind of era, um, where the band sort of simplified the uh, live set, um, made it a little bit, a little bit cheaper maybe, um, a little bit less rich. There was no video element, um, just there in front of a backdrop. Um, certainly through the Strange Land tour, it was basically just the the Strange Land lit up in the in the the backdrop. Um, and then suddenly after an hour the video screens come into life and projected onto that backdrop we've now got a bespoke uh, video for um, Perfect Symmetry Um, we've got visuals for some of the new songs Um, we've got things that are timed to coincide with lyrics Um, and it was really exciting for me I mean I'm not I am very easily impressed (laughs) but there's always been this really strong uh, visual character to the shows or there was up until sort of Perfect Symmetry um, even back as far as like when they were playing middle middle toilet venues, um, they used to play. Um, they used to play to the end of the earth um, with that that piano uh, spiral uh, visual. Do you remember that? 
I think so, yeah. Um, so even even back when they were playing to, you know, rooms of like 300, 400 people, they had this video display. And seeing it back now, you're just like, oh my god, like, it... It's something very simple, but it's 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 always been a part, I think, of the 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 band's live experience. So, is there is there anything you didn't like about the the tour? Well, obviously, I mean, I I was only I was only at one date, um, so I'm going to have to um, defer to I think what what's um, some other people have picked up on, which is um, because this is predominantly a seated tour. Um, one of the things that we've now seen uh, the band introduce is a very sort of basic level of price tiering um, and just to introduce that idea what it means is that there are some seats in the venue or some tickets uh, which are of intrinsically better value than others now in America this has always been a very common thing um, t- ticket touting has been a, a you know a big thing scalping um, where the seats down the front of the show get resold for more money than the seats at the back um, we obviously um, over here consider that to be um just not cricket is it exactly right um and that's something that um, adam Keane's manager has actually um uh, done amazing things to fight against um but what we have on the sort of like very basic level is that the the front rows of all of these shows were only available to those who were buying vip tickets and what that means is that some uh tickets are basically more expensive than others because they are better tickets now that's something that um uh, Keen's manager Adam, in terms of like ticket reselling, has done um, great work in uh, trying to avoid sort of secondary reselling. Um, but what this is is that the the band have produced uh, VIP uh, packages, where some of the best seats in the venue, so uh, the front row right in front of Tom, for example, is only available if you're buying a VIP um, ticket package, uh, which will be that seat plus I think a water bottle plus a poster. Plus, I think you can go and take your seat 15 minutes before the venue opens. Um, and also at the, the standing venues that are available uh, for the European dates on the tour, and also for some of the uh, American dates. So I'm, I'm going to the, the show in Seattle, okay. um, and that's a standing venue, and those VIP tickets will allow you to enter the venue 15 minutes before everyone else. Of course, the standing show, that means you can go and take that spot in front of Tom, if that's what you want to do. And of course, with the uh, VIP seats, Again, right down in front of Tom. Now, this is not a revolutionary thing in America. Um, what usually happens is that those tickets get scooped up by scalpers and they get resold. Now, to Keen's credit, they are making sure that um, scalping of tickets is much harder for these dates than uh, it has been in the past. Um, but they are charging more for those, those tickets. And that's obviously upset, I think, some fans. Yeah, it's kind of understandable that people are upset at that. You know, the, the, the concert prices aren't, aren't cheap to start with and uh, uh, the extra money to, to get into the venue early is uh, it's difficult. That's something that all fans can afford, really. And I, I think there's something very sort of like... Uh, it's a big equaliser. Um, people are used to seeing the band playing standing shows. They pay... This is going back a few years. They would pay £20 for their, their standing ticket. And do you know what? If they want to go down to the Kentish Town Forum, as all of those uh, was it was it fans from Argentina did um, before the first Perfect Symmetry show, if they want to go and hang out in Kentish Town for thirty hours before the show, that is entirely their right to do that. And it's you know it's an equaliser. It's you know you don't need to have lots of money to get that front spot if you're prepared to go down and line up 
and you know you you can get that spot. And now what people are seeing is that if you want to have that front spot, if you want to have your hand on the rail, if you want to be right up close with the band, you're not just being asked to spend uh, €49 Euro on a standing ticket, you're being asked to spend €149. Euro. And that that is a huge amount of money for for people who might want to go to more than one show as well. So if they want to go and be up close with the band at, say, three shows, what used to be potentially you know €100 Euro is now going to be nearly €500. Euros. And of course they're going to have all of the, the merch and so on. Now, maybe that means that people are just going to have to be a few rows back uh, not have the you know that up close experience um, but obviously for people who've gotten used to that's their experience that's the the drug they've been craving you know for the band to come back that's obviously a bit disappointing how do you feel about that yeah it'll be interesting to see whether the band do it again for future tours actually because uh, like you say there has been there have been some comments about it so we'll see if this is just the new normal yeah I mean we talked a little bit earlier um, on the, the previous episode about how bands are not making millions from selling albums anymore sure so the money's got to come from somewhere um, the recording of this album probably wasn't cheap getting the band out on tour is not cheap um, sometimes it can be offset by other sources of revenue um, but ultimately these tours have to pay their way and pay everyone who's making it happen so um it, for me, it's it's the same as these super deluxe album packages. I mean, I yeah. Uh, did you did you buy one of the the album packages? I've got to admit, I didn't. Sixty pounds for an album I haven't heard seemed like quite a lot. And I think we're, we're gonna see we're gonna see bands increasingly ask us as dedicated fans to make that leap to put a lot of money up front to sort of basically back back them to produce something special. Um, if you it's want, kind of the Patreon model that you see with smaller acts, isn't it? But now on a on a larger scale. And admittedly, in return, we, we I've, I've uh, I, I bought the the Super Deluxe. It's a beautiful package. It's fantastically put together, um, and with the the retroactive disc that's in there, it does sort of mitigate the fact that you know this new album might be a bit crap by giving you know giving me ten ten tracks of old old demos and rarities and so on. Sure, but. I think, unfortunately, this is the new reality that um, we are we're, we're fans of a uh, a band who are smaller than they used to be, and we would like them to be out there playing all the shows that they can. And it might mean that tickets are going to get more expensive, and you know, some people are going to have to perhaps subsidise the rest of us by buying these VIP packages. I have never recorded a true fact. No, I have never recorded a true fact. Hang on. I have never recorded a true fact. This is why I don't do true facts. So, Keen's next major assignment on the road is going to be a major tour of Central and South America, starting off uh, with a couple of co-headline dates with our old friends Travis in Mexico. Uh, co-headline spot at the Corona Capital Festival in Mexico City. And then it is on to Colombia, Peru, and then two nights in Santiago de Chile before finishing up in Paraguay, Argentina, and then Brazil. Now, to preview the tour, we thought we would dial up our old South American friend and former Beyond the INC contributor, Monica Rivas, to hear how the tour is being anticipated down there. Uh, Monica, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hi, Andrew. How are you? I'm good. Great to great to hear from you. So um, yes, how, the same here. How have you been over the last few years? 
I've been great, yeah. Living my life without King <laughs> for some time, but it's okay. Older, and but the love is still is still there. <laughs> and of course, everything's changed because now now they're back. Uh, it's a uh, it's a big tour, isn't it? It's a. Uh, I, I think we we said in the last uh, the last episode, it's their the biggest tour. At, you know, uh, in pretty much everywhere they're going, it's their biggest tour in a long time. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Uh, a long tour, um, lots of places, and I think that especially in Latin America, there is a lot of expectation for their visit. There were years without them, and there are lots of new fans just waiting to see them for the first time, so we can't wait. Well, that, that was going to be my, my question to you. So, mm -hmm. would you say that there's still a big deal in, in Latin America or South America specifically? Yes, yes, they are. Um, I can still notice that a lot of older, older fans as us are still around, but there is a new group of fans, very young, in their 20s, that discovered them like five, maybe six years ago. So, <laughs> you are, you are great. They are going to enjoy it. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. There, referring to 20 somethings <laughs> as young fans, but I, yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you yeah, mean. Yes, exactly. um, But it's, I mean, seven years is seven years is obviously a very long time. The the last shows there were supporting Strangeland. Uh, you'll have to correct me if I'm wrong here, but it was it was early 2013, so it was six and a half years ago. Exactly. Yes, that was the last visit. So um, one one of the things that I think is important to you, you're from from uh, Chile, is that mm -hmm. uh, the band originally announced just one night at the uh, what's the venue in, in Santiago? It's a it's a really nice uh, nice venue, isn't it? Yeah, it's a classic venue. It's an, an old venue. It's called Caupolicán Theater. Uh, originally, we did just had one date. Uh, the venue holds seven thousand people, but it sold out in like, like like three hours. So we got a second date. So we're happy about it. That's. I mean, that that is. Yeah. That's that's crazy. I mean, the. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I think seven thousand will be bigger than any of the uh, any of the venues that they played on this UK tour that's just been completed. That's uh, that's pretty impressive. And then to do two straight nights sold out is 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 crazy. Exactly. It's crazy, but it was expected. I, I thought it, it was going to happen, so it's great. <laughs> I'm glad you still. I'm glad you still got confidence in the in the bands. Yeah. Um, the how's the how has this new album been received uh, in in South America? I mean, you're, you're obviously you're you're on the ground in in uh, in Santiago, um, so you might not be able to speak to everywhere else. But uh, are you hearing it on the radio, or how how is it being received? Well, actually, um, I don't think that you can hear a lot of Keen in the radio. Yeah. But nowadays, everything, everyone is worried about the Spotify and Apple Music. And in there, they are number one ev almost everywhere in Latin America. So I think it's doing very well. The new record was had a great reception. Almost everyone loved it. It's like, I don't know, a new beginning. So mm -hmm. new fans. It's going to be an in interesting tour for them in here and uh, i think going on from that then the um the set lists um will be interesting because obviously a lot of people want to see the old songs they've not had the the wealth of opportunities to see see the band down in down in south america so from a personal perspective are you expecting to see a lot of uh, older material or are you expecting to see the the, the the newer songs or what what do you what do you think you're going to see down there I think they are going to choose a lot of old songs because they always do. But on the 
on the boards, I've seen that Latin American people is waiting to listen to the new songs as well. They are not mm. waiting just for old songs. They love the new record. So I think they need to mix um, something like Europe, maybe some oldies, of course, but but uh, I think it's going to they they're going to 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 make a good good choice at the end. Yeah, mm. well, I think. Um, uh, I was looking, uh, not that I spend my evenings looking up old old videos of the band in action, but just yesterday <laughs> when I was doing some research for, 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 for talking to you, um, I, uh, I was looking back at some of their older shows and um, uh, to make up, I guess, for the fact that you don't get many shows down in South America, you do get some fantastic uh, rarities, specialties. Um, I was watching a video of Early Winter from yeah. possibly Buenos Aires from, from a few years ago and I think... I mean, I've, I've only seen them play that once. Uh, <laughs> that's, uh, you know, so it, it, is a, it is usually a time for a special set list in South America, right? Yes, and I hope so. I know that in Brazil, for instance, they're waiting for the Frog Prince. In Chile, we will be asking for to the end of the earth, of course. So I hope they can make an exception and play some oldies and favorites. Every, every, uh, every country has its national anthem and uh, exactly. yours is to the end of the earth. Brazil, uh -huh. Prince, and so on. Yeah. <laughs> so <that's>, uh, <laughs> exactly. Cool. So, Monica, um, just one more thing to ask you about the, the Chile shows in particular. So, the um, we've we've seen up here in America the um, protests on the streets um, against uh, President Pinera in in Santiago. Um, obviously, a lot of people have been out on the streets. Um, it's a big thing at the moment in Chile. Do you think there's going to be any risk to these shows going ahead? Well, there's all, always a chance that something could happen. Uh, things are getting better day by day. You don't know what expecting for the future. And actually, record label confirmed the show. So we have hopes right now and fears. So we're trying to, to be positive about very, it. Very, very good there. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is obviously. I mean, it's a, it's a very, very serious, serious subject. But at the, at the moment, as far as you're concerned, mm. the show is going to go ahead in Chile as, as scheduled. Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of people worried. Uh, we just need to wait. Uh, I hope nothing changes. So we need to be positive, and this situation surely will be over soon. So. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so Chris and I, we, we were just talking about the. Um, uh, the VIP ticketing that we've seen in, mm -hmm. in America and in Europe, which has been a kind of a kind of a sore topic. Um, how how has this been approached in in South America? You being asked to pay sort of triple triple ticket price for early entry or for the the best uh, the best seats in the house? Uh, no, well, luckily here we don't have the the same US or Europe package figure. And here, what we have is a kind of golden ticket that is a little bit more expensive, but uh, you are going to be in the front. Our standing uh, standing tickets, but in the front front lines. So that's the only that we have here in some venues, not all. Yeah, so it's mm. kind of like a kind of like a golden circle, a barrier. Ah, uh, yes. That's mm -hmm. your your personal area. Exactly. That's okay. all. Mm -hmm. Um. I guess I, I probably I, I can't let you go, Monica, without asking you. So we obviously we on the on the last episode we talked a little bit about our review of the the album, our favorite our favorite tracks, and what, what we think of it. So um, what would you say was your your standout track from from Cause and Effect? Well, I think that 
we sur they surprised us a lot with the way I feel. I think that it had a great impact, especially here in Latin America. Everyone loves it. And, well, I actually listened to that song in the radio sometimes, so that was good. And personal favorite. I don't know. I, I really love stupid things. They storytelling mm. and everything. So it's <laughs> one of my favorites, and I hope to, to, to listen to it in here, in Santiago. It's actually... Uh I was just going to pick up on you saying about um, the way I feel being on the radio. That um, so I um, I was I was moving house in in Seattle back in back in June, and I was listening to uh, the Wave, uh, Seattle local station. I, I think it was the Wave anyway, and and um, the way I feel came on, and I think that's possibly the first time I've heard Keen on the radio outside of the UK since mm -hmm. like, 2000 and 2006 it's <laughs> and it's it's quite a novelty like when you're somewhere so far away and you hear something come on the radio that you you know you never heard before um actually um sorry this is a bit of a diversion and chris might cut this later but um uh -huh. <laughs> i remember being on uh, easter island in 2007 and uh, hearing everybody's changing at a coming out of a like a garage you know a little bit of a <laughs> chilean connection there it's it's funny how you can hear these things wherever you go, but it's it's quite a novelty, right? Uh, yeah, it is. It is. Um, <laughs> you always can hear everybody's changes. Always can hear somewhere only we know, but listening to the way you feel, it was amazing. So yeah, yeah. it's going to be a good experience in there, in here. <laughs> cool. Um, and I guess uh, we we probably couldn't go without saying, well, what don't you like about the record? Is there anything you'd change or? Um, Anything you think isn't going to go down well, perhaps with your 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 friends down in South America? What I don't like, I listened to the first episode of your podcast, and I kind of uh, think the same about the ending. I really like um, uh, the uh, "I Need Your Love," but I think that it needed something else, something more powerful. So maybe that's it. But in in the world picture, I really liked, I really loved the the record. Yeah, yeah. It's um. Do you feel that the the album is, let's say, unresolved? Like there's something, you know, something a little bit unfinished there about it. Yeah, yeah, and that's the reason because well, after after reading uh, Jesse talking about sunshine. I would really love to listen to that song. <laughs> Maybe that was the one that we were waiting for. I don't know. So let's see if it's in the light that, um, someday. Uh, Sunrise, that's the, the song. Sunrise, the... sorry. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was on the sorry. board but uh, didn't didn't make it to the uh, didn't make it to the final the final track uh -huh. listing. Yes. The nice thing about knowing there's an unrecorded song from this album is that perhaps that's the, the first uh, song from the next record already queued. Yes. Yes, of course. <laughs> we're waiting for that. I don't know. Well, prior to this record, uh, talking with my friends and everything, we always thought that there was no way they were come back. So I'm definitely w waiting for more, maybe more records, maybe more tours. So let's hope for that. I think that I was just going to say before we before we close out, this is the first time we've had you on the podcast now in i mean it must be the best part of a decade and um how how surprised were you that we, we suddenly had the band back obviously we had tom tom with his solo material and he did seem to um when he played those shows last summer obviously we, we didn't know what was coming but it seemed as though he had things mapped out for the second record and he, he had a plan and how surprised were you for us to have this record i was 
very, very surprised. Uh, as I told you, I thought they were not going to come back any soon. So when they announced all the comeback and the summer shows in, in Europe, it was like great news and all our theories that we had were to the trash, directed to the trash. So, so no, it was a surprise, but a happy surprise. So I can't wait. Can't wait for, for the days to come. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's uh, yeah. I, th I think uh, I think we're all aligned on uh, on that. Um, thanks very much for, for joining us, Monica. Uh, and uh, los mejores deseos. <laughs> <laughs> De nada. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You are welcome, Andrew. Bye. Song Spotlight. So the the next song we'd like to sort of uh, dive deep into is uh, Strange Room. Um, really, the the centerpiece, I think, of the album um, occupies that difficult track five slot, which has uh, for me track five has always been. That's that's when things get very serious on a on a Keen record. Really, where we've got a bad dream, and uh, it's as simple a song as I think I, we've seen from Keen since Hamburg Song. Right, it's it's super simple structurally, at least. I guess in the instrumentation as well that it's quite an open and exposed song, um, you know, very led by the keys. Uh, for me, it's got kind of a bit of a waltz feel, um, despite it being in four, which is uh, and it's kind of a bit off center there. So that's uh, I think it kind adds, of interesting. It has that disorientation. Mm. Um, it, it's yeah. not comforting. Yeah, you've got a bit of a theory about this song, haven't you? Yeah, so it, it's it's a love song. But it, it's the strange room is not. This is not the cell in which the he's talking to the officer in the middle of the song. The strange room, really. This is uh, this is this is the back room of a pub. Um, Tim's spoken a little bit about the origins of this, but this is uh, basically it's it's his escape where he he found a place where he can sit. He's not Tim Russ Oxley. It's a place where you can hang out with your mates. You can have a few pints of burning sky or. Harvey's or something, and you can tinkle on the the ivories, and it it's it seems like it's speaking to a place of comfort. And it actually it reminds me a lot of an elbow song, which we'll we'll just play a little bit of the chorus of this. Uh, My sad captains. Um, it's another another drinking song, um, albeit I, I feel like this is like the minor chord come down partner to to that. Choose to lose my mind, but if it's only only pass this way but once, what a perfect waste of time. Another sunrise with my side captains. With who I choose to lose my mind, and if it's only. And there's there's this common lyrical theme um, of dreaming on the record, and put the radio on has that "I wish I was dreaming" lyric, and here that for a moment I was dreaming. It's that 
some of these things are not, you know, not basic realities. This is not the, you know, like the expectation of, of, of his life. And it's almost completely unexpected, the, whether it's that illicit affair moment or being able to find this place that's completely so comforting and home. Yeah, I think home is another thing that seems to come up a few times on the record as well, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a weirdly enjoyable song, considering it is so downbeat and sad. Yeah, and it's... Uh, I've thought this about a few of the songs on the record, that it's slightly unusual to see crowds sing along to songs like Stupid Things or, or Strange Room, isn't it? And, and you know, how, I wonder how that was tally in uh, Tim's mind. Yeah, and I think this, this is, for me, like, this is one of the most interesting songs in terms of it, it, its origin and how it fits together with the whole story. And the gaps that I talked about in the, the last episode... Um, this is where I think things are, you know, the, the gaps make it interesting. We can, we can start to piece together our own idea of what the cause and effect was. There's, there's that title again. Hello and welcome to this week's Beard Watch, your guide to the latest in facial hair. Uh, looking at the reports this week, Tim is sporting a little bit of a five o'clock shadow, uh, suggesting that he is rugged, yet lovable. Moving on to Richard, we are told that he currently stands at Fluffy, and the outlook is fur. No updates yet on Tom, so please, stand by. And that was this week's Beardwatch. I must apologise, it seems that that beard watch is actually a repeat of a previous beard watch and it's likely inaccurate now, so I'm afraid you can probably ignore it. Apologies. So, the next song we're going to talk about is Thread. Um, The band cited the Blue Nile um, a little while ago as uh, a bit of an influence on them. Uh, I'm going to be really honest with you here, I mean, I'm not familiar with the Blue Nile um, although from googling it turns out they are a diamond retailer so um, <laughs> I'm not sure you got the right one there they were a Scottish band formed in the 80s uh, lead singers Paul Buchanan uh, it says here <laughs> it says here um, but I think that that influence kind of comes through with the kind of the opening piano uh, sound which is not kind of something we've heard we haven't heard Tim use the piano in this kind of way on a keen record before i don't think um i think the song's really interesting because it's whilst there is a an electronic kind of uh drum part underneath uh underpinning the whole song on top on the first things this is kind of the most acoustic and kind of natural song uh on the record you can hear you know the, the clicks there are some some gorgeous strings on there tambourines and just that you can hear the sound of the room the piano's in which you know something that you know, Keen have often shied away from the early records were very close mic'd, often fed through um uh you know, fed through effects pedals. Yeah. It was more keyboards than piano and this is this is real kind of piano effect. Um Yeah, we we talked a little bit about how they've used um uh, textures of um room acoustics when they were recording with Dave Fridman in um America, um back for the sessions for um uh, was it Perfect Symmetry or was it for Strangeland or was there a little bit Strangeland, of Strangeland I think um, 
and how how that was primarily used for things like um, percussion acoustics. So hearing hearing that play with the piano sound, I think is interesting. Mm. And I think the, just the the song itself is is gorgeous. The, the 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 chord changes in the chorus really are kind of devastating, and you know the the, the way they pull apart is 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 brilliant. I don't know if it's sort of deliberate, but the the chord change. Uh, the first two chords in the chorus are kind of D flat, and then the right hand moves up to E flat, but the left hand stays where it is, and then you could read into that, and then the left hand stays where it is, then falls. Is that, you know, it's it's really there's so a lot that, into it. That that's that's such a piano player's way, I think, of of you know dissembling um, the song. I, I I love that. Yeah. Um, I think looking at this lyrically, I. I find this, first of all, I find the song incredibly difficult to listen to. It's a beautiful song in the way that it's put together. Um, but I think you, you, you said it best. It's not just the chords that are devastating here. Um, the interesting thing about this, I think, is that there are, there are two ways of looking at, at this. This is why I, I think this is a, the kind of song that will, will really stand a, a test of time, that you can, you can dissemble this chorus in a charitable way, or in a really sort of critical way, um, I'm I'm minded to be charitable because I know Tim is he is a good man, as he says, um, and I, I you know I can see you know I can see that he is he is being incredibly honest about this here. But if you just simply look at the um, the chorus itself, it's a it's a broken, honest man, or it could be a list of excuses. It could be somebody who is looking wistfully and saying, well, we couldn't help it. Or it could be somebody who's diminishing their responsibility. There's, there's two different ways that you can read this, and I, th- I find that very interesting. It's, you know, you could say, well, oh, it was just our time. But then, you know, you could also say that's also saying, well, I couldn't stop it, I didn't do it. It's, it's a fascinating way of being able to read the same course in two ways, I think. Hmm. Different perspectives. I guess this is the last time kind of had the idea of two different perspectives as well in the chorus as well I think but I think in this case it depends exactly on how you wish to trust the, the, the narrator now yeah. we would obviously take a, a positive view of, of Tim as we first of all we know him <laughs> but secondly we, we've enjoyed his work but I mean you could easily look at it in a different way um, you can take um, that, that line uh, remember I'm a good man um, and as I said I think we we would definitely describe Tim as a good man he um certainly in our experience um but you often do see that defense of the indefensible of you know i'm i'm good at heart honestly i am a good man and i think that that is an inherently problematic line um but i think it's it's key to the honesty of the song the the human nature is to look to explain away failings and to you know it's a natural reaction to say well i am good honestly like i i i didn't mean to I am, I am good. I think it's it's absolutely fierce, fearless uh, lyricism, of the sort of kind that you don't really tend to see these days. A lot of the time, you you see um, lyricists described as honest, but I think this is genuine, true um, yeah. honesty. Agreed. Um, and it is. I mean, it, it is very difficult to hear Tim, who's such a complex and verbose character, um, somebody who really does try and express the nuance of his thoughts um, when you hear him speak and to hear to hear him as sort of raw as this is, is really difficult to listen to. Do you think this could be another sort of character song in the same way that uh, we we mentioned about uh, Stupid Things being? I, I think the hardest thing of all is that I don't think it is. 
To keep busy during the band's hiatus, Richard could often be seen working occasional shifts at the Waitrose near his house. And actually, if he can't get off Jan's Christmas rota, you may be seeing him again this holiday season. Thank you for joining us for today's Beyond the Iron Sea. Now, we are pumping these out at a prolific rate, aren't we? We are. But no, I, uh, I enjoyed that. Um, although, I mean, this is a lot more serious than it used to be when we were talking about Kanye uh, turning up and knackering the studio monitors 10 years ago. Yeah, do you think we'll ever get that uh, You Haven't Told Me Anything remix? Um, well, I think, put it this way, if you're holding your breath for it, I think you might want to invest in some form of uh, oxygen tank. Well, if you haven't told us anything yet, start now and email beyondtheinc at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at beyondinc. That is brilliant, Chris. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. And until next time, that was Beyond the Inc.